It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Good afternoon. Here we are again, and we're going to dig right in to uh, chapter 5. Today we're in verses 16 through 19, and let's just start by reading all four of those verses. John says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, I think to get a complete understanding of what all is being said here, the best thing would be for us to start with verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. And again, the grammar in the original Greek shows us it's not occasional sin that's in view here, but of habitual sins, the practice of sin. Because a Christian has a new nature, God's seed is within, 1 John 3, 9, she has new desires and appetites and is not interested in sin. Not, not as a way of life, at least. Now, we see in verses 18 and 19, John talks about the wicked one. We need to remind ourselves that the child of God has three enemies, all of which want to lead us into sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world lies in the power of the evil one. Verse 19, the, or the wicked one, whatever your translation says, but we know that's the devil, that's Satan. Jesus called him the prince of this world. John 14, 30, he tells us that. He is the spirit who works in the children of disobedience. That's Ephesians 2, 2. So Satan has many devices for leading a believer into sin. For example, he lies, especially with the hope to get the believer to doubt God. He is a master deceiver. He can cause physical harm as well and more. But for the sake of time, we can't go deeply into that today. Then there is the problem of the flesh, the old nature with which we were uh, born with and which we uh, is still with us. We're told to walk by the spirit, however, and we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh but we don't always do that. That's the problem. Then we have the world. The world is our third enemy. First John 2, we discuss the, this situation, this problem as well. It's easy for us to yield to the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. The atmosphere of the world around us makes it hard for us to keep our minds pure, Philippians 4, 8, and our hearts true to God. So the question becomes, if we have these three enemies, how does a believer keep from sinning? So in 1 John 5.18, we have the answer. It says Jesus Christ keeps the believer so that the enemy cannot get his hands on him. 
And you may look at that and say, I'm not sure that's what my verse says. <laughs> well, if you have the New American Standard Version, they translate this properly. The he there is Christ with a capital H. He who was born of God keeps him, small h, the believer, and the evil one does not touch him. That's how that verse should be translated. My version and others gives the impression that a believer keeps himself from sin. But this is not what the verse says. Of course, it's true that a Christian must keep himself in the love of God, Jude 21, but it is not true that a Christian must depend on himself to overcome the evil one who tempts us into sin. And that's the context here. Whenever Satan attacks us, we can be sure that God gave him permission. Think of Job. And the devil wanted to sift Peter like wheat, and was allowed to. But Jesus prayed for Peter, for what? That his faith would not fail. And if God gives the devil permission to attack us, you can be assured that God will give us the power to overcome. Because God will never permit us to be tested more than we can handle. First uh, Corinthians 10, verse 13. So, what do we know according to verse 18 and 19? Here's what we know. If we paraphrase those verses according to what we just learned, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one who wants us to sin. And we know whoever is born of God does not practice sin. But he, Jesus, who has been born of God, keeps him, the believer, the wicked one, does not touch him. Now, don't, I hope you don't have a problem when he says that Jesus, who has been born of God, we know that Jesus is the only begotten son, but then in his humanity when he came here, he was also born of God by the Holy Spirit. So this verse is true. Don't let it. He's not like a, like the typical human. No, but um, through the scriptures, you can understand here what John is saying. In verse 16 and 17, if anyone sees his brother sinning, he says, he will ask. Okay, now in light of everything, in, in the other verses, the first thing to do is to pray for that person. All too often, prayer is the last thing we do. Or the smallest thing we do in regard to our brother or sister having a difficult time. The promise is God will give him life. But we see in verse 16 and 17, we are not to pray for the brother if it is for a sin that leads to death. What in the world is he talking about? In the context here, most commentators and teachers don't believe that this is spiritual death that he's talking about, where the sin leading to spiritual death would be the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, because he's talking to believers. He's not talking about unbelievers. And blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the willful, settled rejection of Jesus Christ. But some brother is being used... Um, and when they look at that, they have to look at brother there as being a very, used in a very loose sense. And that's what he's speaking of. But again, most commentators, and, and I personally don't believe that's what's in view here. 
but many believe that it's talking about sin leading to physical death. Now, this is a difficult concept, but we have an example of it in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 through 30, that you can check out. Paul says that some of the Corinthians had died because of their disgraceful conduct at the Lord's Supper. Remember, and remember Ananias and Sapphira lied to God about their offering and both died. Acts 5 verses 1 through 11. You need to read Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 13 and it will shed some light on this. Check it out. Here's what Warren, Warren Worsby says about those verses. If a believer does not judge, confess, and forsake sin... God must chasten him, which suggests that a person who does not subject himself to the Father will not live. Hebrews 12, verse 9. In other words, first God spanks his rebellious children, and if they do not yield to his will, he may remove them from the world, lest their disobedience lead others astray <clears throat> Excuse me, and bring further disgrace on his name. So practically speaking, as true believers in Christ, what are we to do according to these verses? <clears throat> if, a, if a Christian sees a brother committing sin, she should pray for him, asking God to speak to her heart or to their heart to confess the sin and return in fellowship, return to fellowship with the Father. But if in her praying... She, she, the person praying, doesn't sense that she's asking in God's will, as instructed in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, then she should not pray for the believer. God is long-suffering, but when he disciplines or tries and tries and tries to get us to listen to him to no avail, know that it is possible to get to that place where chastening and even possible death are the only answer. The book of Jeremiah has an appropriate verse for this. Jeremiah 7, verse 16. When God tells Jeremiah not to pray for, the, for backslidden, idolatrous Israel, he says this, As for you, do not pray for this people and do not lift up cry or prayer for them. I do not and do not intercede to me, for I will not hear you. Indeed, Interesting verses that we've studied for today. Simply put, what encouragement do we get out of these verses? We know Christians do not deliberately practice sin. We have a divine nature within so that we can deal with the flesh. And Jesus guards us from the ruler of this world. And God's grace enables us to overcome. And we don't want to have to be disciplined by our Father. So let's walk in righteousness and if we see a brother or sister walking in unrighteousness, may we pray first and always and do that according to God's will. Until next time, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.